bless you, Lord. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth.
promise of your presence where two or three are gathered in your name. There you would be in the midst, oh God. Hallelujah. We lift you up. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Your praise. 
Lord. We praise you, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Nothing compares to you, oh God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good this morning, folks? I feel like a dog on a leash over there just waiting to be let loose. And he finally let me loose. So here I am. It's good to see you this morning. I do have an announcement I want to make. I'm really excited about it. Brother Paul Stevens is coming home Monday. Can we give God praise for that? I tell you, when this thing first started, I didn't expect to see that happening so soon. But man, I'm telling you, God has just been good. It has been, uh, to my understanding, over three months now that he's been struggling with this since his heart surgery. But uh, I got to talk to him just the other day. And uh, I'm going to tell you something, he's a tough guy, I can tell you that much. And so he was a joy to talk to. There's something I do want to read to you. I was sent a text from their family. You may have saw it on Facebook. For you that don't have it, I'll just read it right off of here, straight from, from, from them. It says, um, uh, his discharge from Manna is scheduled for Monday, June 29th. So that's this Monday, and we are so thrilled. We have been busy making some modifications to his home to make his transition from therapy to home a little easier. On Monday, we plan to have him home around 11.45 a.m. Somebody say 11.45. 11.45. All right. We know it's a work day, but if you are able, we would love to have you join us for a welcome home parade down his driveway. Due to COVID-19, we will not be able to allow visitors into the home, hugs, etc., but we know seeing your smiling faces will mean so much to him. We will have some red balloons to pass out to those who come, but if you want to make a poster or drop off a card or decorate your car, that would be awesome. While in the driveway, we ask to keep uh, social distancing between families. Updates be posted here, and, uh, and she just basically told me to invite the church thereafter. So just want to let you know, so he's going to be about 11.45, so if you want to be a part of that, you're probably going to want to be there about 11.30, 11.35, uh, in order to be in the driveway, and just, you can get your car, just wave at him. That's kind of what they're wanting to do. So if you want to be a part of that, I was told to uh, give that announcement to you, all right? I want to thank our volunteers before I start, man. They have been so good. Can we give them a hand clap for helping us through this time? Thank you all. God bless you. I really mean that. It's, it's a lot, so we appreciate it. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Luke chapter 5 is where I want to go, and I want to read verse 1 through 11 in the opening here. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood on the lake Genesaret. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out uh, a, a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, these are our key words today, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've told all night long and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all. And they followed him. I want to talk on the subject, launch out into the deep. 
I suppose if we all had one desire in this church house today, especially those that claim Jesus as their Lord and they are Christians, the one thing that I think we would all have in common today is that we want to be used by God. Can I get an amen from anybody that feels that way today? You just want God to use you. Some of you don't know what it's going to look like. Some of you don't know what to expect, but you do know. Deep down within your heart, there is a desire for God to take your life, all right? Even though it's flawed, even though it's imperfect, even though you've made mistakes, even though sometimes you don't feel worthy to be there. But, but God, you want Him to take you and use you. So today, I want some people, we may feel as though we're not qualified or that we don't have enough Bible knowledge or spiritual maturity. But may I ask you, what kind of people does God use in the first place? I mean, when God gets ready to choose somebody, what kind of person does he look for? If there was ever a person who was surprised that God not only called him into his service, but would use him in one of the most powerful ways throughout the whole New Testament, it is this first century Galilean fisherman by the name of Simon Peter. Now, Peter was introduced by, to Jesus by his brother Andrew. I want to say that again. He was introduced by his brother. So I need somebody to understand today, you can reach your family for Jesus Christ. You can be that witness to them. A matter of fact, I'll tell you, my mother for many years um, served God, went to church. My father had went away. He was a Baptist at one point and went away from the church. At one point, even a deacon, but he got away from God. And my mother used to come home. And I remember our pastor would preach and, and different people would encourage her. She wasn't the only one. There were some that were husbands and their wives weren't saved. But the way that they encouraged them was where Paul told them, he said, wives, just keep living a good life because by your testimony, your husbands will be sanctified or they will be saved. It's that living the life before them. So today if you have a lost family member, let me tell you Jesus can use you to reach them. You don't need the pastor to do it. You don't need somebody to knock on your door like them. You need to just show the life before them. Live righteous and holy before God and before too long you living right is going to convict them of living wrong. So by his brother he comes to Jesus Christ. When Jesus meets him, you know the story briefly. He changes his name from Simon to Peter. You can read that in 1 John 1.40. Why the name change? Because the word Simon means a reed. Now a reed, if you were to go to the marsh, you see those little reeds. They're the ones that when the wind blows, they bend. They bow to it. See, the reed means that he was blown by the winds of, of public opinion. Other people could sway him. He was shaken in his beliefs because of the pressure that other people would put on him. And he would bend to their pressure. And he would go with the crowd. That is what Simon represented. That is what the reed represented. But Jesus saw something more in him. So he said, you're no longer going to be called Simon. I'm going to add Peter to your name. And the reason I'm naming Peter is because Peter means a rock. Peter means stability. Peter means that when everybody else is falling and feltering and bending to the public opinion, you're going to be the voice that's going to stand up and be louder than them all. And my God, did we not see that in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when guess who stood up to preach that day? It wasn't Simon who 
who was afraid of a microphone. It wasn't Simon that was afraid of what other people would say about him or think about him. Peter grabs the microphone very happily and readily and he begins to preach what thus saith the Lord and says you are the reason that Jesus died. You and your children crucified this Jesus but on the third day God rose him up again. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. I'm going to change your name from a reed to a rock. So this man Peter, he's He's strong, he's steadfast in his loyalty to Jesus and his commitment to the call of God. All he wants to do when nobody else saw Peter's potential... I'm glad that Jesus saw his potential. Aren't you glad there's some of you maybe here. Nobody ever saw your potential. But aren't you glad that Jesus can see your potential. Aren't you glad that when nobody else sees you being great. That Jesus sees you being great. Hallelujah. If we could only see ourselves like Jesus sees us. If we could only see ourselves like our heavenly father is looking down today. He is saying with me all things are possible. You can do things you never dreamed possible through me. Through Christ. I can do all things who has given me the strength to do them so here he goes his journey with Jesus he's transformed from being a reed to a rock when Jesus comes into your life ladies and gentlemen he will change you a matter of fact when you have an encounter with Jesus there's a lot of people that may not even recognize you anymore hallelujah and I could get into history but I won't do it but I will tell you Peter was in the fishing business a matter of fact, according to our text, we see that his brother Andrew also was. And, and then James and John. We know all of these names. Peter, James, and John would become the inner circle, the three. So the one, now think about this. The one Andrew, the brother that won Peter, all right, to Jesus, he was actually lower on the scale at the end of the day. Andrew didn't make it to the inner circle, but Peter did. Now, most people would have thought, oh, Andrew, he's been, he been serving God for years. Man, God's really going to use Andrew. I'm telling you, Andrew. And God did use Andrew. Don't misunderstand me. But not the way that he used Peter. Read your Bible. Who was it when there was a lame man sitting there? And he says, silver and gold, have I none? Do you see Andrew? No, but you see Peter. On the day of Pentecost, do you read about Andrew? He was there, but we don't read about him. But we read about Peter. So what I'm telling you is God can take some of the people that you seem the most likely to fail and make them most likely to succeed. So don't ever listen to what people say about you. God has something for you to do. Now on the day in question in my text, they are out here fishing. They have had a rough night fishing. They have failed to catch anything at all. They're tired. They're frustrated. But around the shoreline, there's this group of people that are gathering. They're waiting for Jesus. And this new controversial teacher, you see, he was saying that he was the Messiah. He's preaching the word of God. Simon is listening from a distance. But Jesus had already stated to us or started to show us in his ministry that his preaching was not only in the synagogues. Now, Jesus would gather there in the Sabbath for worship, for prayer, for reading, for the exposition of the scriptures, for the fellowship of believers. They, these synagogues also served during the week as schools to teach the children. Amen. In the town of Nazareth. But Jesus shows us that his ministry is not limited to the church house. I love that about Jesus went outside of the church. God help us that we would understand the synagogue is important. Help us to understand.
understand that coming together like we're doing this morning is so vital to the growth of the church. But God help us to never forget that Jesus didn't just get a pulpit and show up every Sunday to preach. From Monday to Saturday, He was out in the streets telling people about a God that could change their life and save them. God help us to be the same way. That we won't just come to church preaching the pulpit, sing our songs, sit on our pews, worship God and go home. Help us to understand that this world is our pulpit. There's a lost and dying world going to hell. We're the people that are going to help save them. Not Washington. It's the church, ladies and gentlemen. It's us. And so Jesus shows us that he has more than just a synagogue. He's not restricted to ministering in a synagogue. His pulpit, his parish is, is the countryside. His sanctuary is every man's heart. Every man's heart is his pulpit. He wants to reach them all. So let's get on. After the crowd that day, Jesus preaches his sermon. And Jesus takes notice of this Simon and his companions. They're bringing their boat to the shoreline. They've given up. He has to use Peter's boat. The Bible says he went out and he preached from the boat. But, but he turns to Peter. And he asks an unusual request in chapter 5 and verse 4. He uses these words. He says, hey Simon, would you just launch out into the deep? Did he merely mean the waters of Galilee to get deeper? No, not really. He was calling Simon to go deeper in his relationship with God. He was calling him to an adventure of faith. When you get into the deep waters, honey, you don't know what's below the surface. Now, I used to have a friend that would, I used to pastor him when I was in Aiken. And he used to come home with all kinds of expeditions and adventures to where he had went to the ocean. And they get in the reefs and water well over your head and he just dives in. Yeah, that's right. He comes home telling me, man, I come and face contact with about an 8, 10 foot shark, reef shark. What did you do? Well, I had my spear. I just poked him with it and he went the other way. But the waters were so murky, he said, I could not see him until it was right up on me. And I looked at him that day and I'll say it live. I said, you crazy. You are crazy. Crazy Johnny. You don't understand what's below the surface. Until you get down there. Jesus says I want you to go into an adventure of faith. When you go with me to this place Peter. You don't know what you're getting into. See there's some of you. You think serving Jesus is all a bed of roses. But let me tell you something. If you are going to launch out into the deep. It is not always a bed of roses ladies and gentlemen. If you're going to launch out into the deep. You're going to suffer. If you're going to launch out into the deep. You're going to face some unexpected things in your life. On this journey of faith. But Peter says, all right, if, if, if you want to go deeper, then let's go deeper. Jesus challenges you, launch into the deep. There is more to life than just fishing. There is more to life than pleasures of this world. There is more to life than the pursuit of power, life achievement of fame, or the accumulation of wealth. There is more to life than going through a daily routine. More to life than eating and drinking, sleeping and working, working and resting, making money and preparing for retirement. There are some deep waters in God that God wants to fill you your life not with temporary purpose not with this worldly goods but he wants to fill your life with eternal purpose God is looking for somebody or somebody's in this church today that is willing to launch out into the deep 
with him. Is that you today? So what kind of person does God use? Number one, I got to hurry. God uses ordinary people. Now, when you look at shepherds, they were ordinary people. When you look at fishermen in the New Testament, fishermen are ordinary people. I love fishermen because I like sushi. Some of you didn't get that. You'll be fine when you go. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were what kind of men? They're ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They are ordinary people. But they can tell that they've been with. Can I just tell somebody today? You may be ordinary, but people can tell when you've been with Jesus. I've seen some preachers that couldn't even write their name, did not have an education, but when they got behind the pulpit, my God, they preached with such anointing and with such authority. You'd have thought they had a college degree because of the revelation of the word that God had given to them while they were in their prayer closet. What I'm telling you, you may not be the smartest of the bunch. You may not be the brightest light in the hardware store, but God uses ordinary people to get his work done. In Matthew 21, 31, he told the Pharisees, he says this, he says the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Woo! That'll preach for itself. So here are three great lessons. Are you ready? Number one, Jesus initiates the search. God is searching for us. Look at Luke 19, 10. I love this verse. Luke 19, 10. Look at what the scripture says. God is searching for us. Us. Don't you remember when he came looking for you? I said, don't you remember when he came looking for you? For the Son of Man has come to seek. He's looking. And to save that which was lost. One songwriter said, when I couldn't get to him, he brought him down to me. And that's exactly what God did. I could not get to where Jesus was. I could not find his grace. I could not have his mercy. But when I could not find him, God sent his only begotten son to the world. So that through him I might be saved. Aren't you glad that Jesus came looking for you on a search? Another thing I want you to notice is Jesus loves you just like you are. We didn't have to impress Jesus Christ. He found us and he loved us exactly for who we were. Three, Jesus takes what we have and uses it for his glory. Everyone can be used of God. The vilest of sinners, prostitutes can be used. You look at Acts 4.13, ordinary people. God uses fat people. Somebody says, oh my God, Pastor, did you just say that? Yeah, but we're going to use, you know, synonym. F means faithful. A means available. And T means teachable. If you'll be faithful, I don't care how ordinary you are, God loves faithfulness. If you will make yourself available when He needs you and He says, fill us now. And you're ready to go when you're available. I don't care how ordinary you are. You can be great in the kingdom of God. If you are teachable, you're not always right. Sometimes you have to admit you're wrong. If God can teach you and train you, you can be used by Him. He loves ordinary people. God uses persevering people. That's people that refuse to stop. Perseverance is one of the greatest things. My God, 
It's greater than resource. It's greater than abilities. It's perseverance. Let me show you what it is. Peter is tired. They have listen, listen just, just think about it. They have fished all night long. They have not caught a single fish. Now, now, first off, the effort failed. The effort failed. But he was willing when Jesus asked him to go deeper. He was willing to do it anyhow. Even though his effort had failed. I need somebody to understand. Come on preachers. Come on teachers. Come on Christians and witnessers. Somebody listen. I preached sermons and I thought. Man I thought that was going to go better than it did. That didn't go so well for me. I guess I won't preach again. But there's something in me that says. Jimmy I can use you if you'll be perseverant. You get up and you preach again. There's times Sunday school teachers prepare their lesson. A quarter of the people show up and they wonder why in the world did I waste my time to do this today. But God's wanting you to understand because of your perseverance. You just get up and you do it again. That's why if you've got co-workers you've been witnessing to. And trying to win them to the kingdom of God. And they will not come through. They won't come to church. They won't listen to what you're saying. You go and you witness to them one more time. God loves it when we persevere. Now first off, I want to say this. I, I, I love fishing. Anybody like fishing in this place? Bass fishing. Crappy fishing. I just like catching a fish. All right, It's gotten so bad before I've scooped minnows up just to say I did. Yeah, I caught 25 fish. Once. You got to do what you got to do, ladies and gentlemen. I used to have a pond and we had jackfish in that thing. Anybody know what a jackfish is? It's basically like an a, a, a alligator fish. That's, that's the best way I can explain it. They got a long snout, look like a crocodile, teeth all over the place. My friend used to kill them every time he caught them. He'd say, these fish ain't worth living. And he'd be beating them on the boat. <laughs> but I can tell you this, I enjoyed catching them. Now, Jennifer's papa would tell us, I love eating them. You just cook them. He said they were like a sweet flavor. I never tried Papa's fish. Listen, if there is one thing that I've learned about fishing, it is this. That you have to be willing to throw out your line one more time. Fishing is about a patient and persevering breed. Just not everybody's cut out the fish. If you throw your line out for 30 minutes to an hour and you haven't got a bite and you're ready to go home, you are not a real fisherman. So hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Amen. Because there's something inside of us. Listen, I fish with, with my father-in-law. And the one thing that I learned from Jeff Johnson is a patient Man, I learned from fishing with him. Another guy named Malcolm Kasai. We used to fish a lot together. The one thing I learned from those guys that are much older than me is that you just got to be patient. And I'm not good at patience all the time. But now when I go fishing, most of the time we make it a competition. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I can catch more fish than you can catch. And so I'll be sitting there and I'll say, uh, he'll say, you about ready to go? I say, uh, let's throw it one more time. Let's throw it one more time. And all the way as he's driving, I'm trying my best to throw I just want to catch that fish. I have learned the art of perseverance and throwing it out one more time. And I'm going to tell you that's helped me with catching fish. But I'm going to tell you it's helped me with helping and catching men too. Because there's 
times that we throw our spiritual fishing rod out and we try to catch them and reel them in and nobody will come. We try to help people and we throw it out there and they won't bite what we're selling. But I'm going to tell you the persevering man in me because of fishing for fish has got me to the place that I say, God, I'm going to throw it out one more time. I'm going to preach a sermon on it one more time because I believe that sooner or later it's going to work and we're going to catch something. See, here we go, here we go. So this, this fishing, this patient, this persevering. A good fisherman always goes back to the same waters that discouraged him. And he tries again. We used to have what we call honey holes. The honey hole is what you believe. you. If you can't catch a fish nowhere else, you go to your honey hole. Because you always catch a fish there. But what happens when you go to that honey hole on a bad day? And you throw it into your little honey hole expecting that you're going to have this great bath, man. It's going to be 10 pounds. And you throw it out there and you don't even get a nibble. Except for them aggravating brim that are biting the end of your plastic worm. <laughs> you bass fishermen know what I'm talking about. Aggravating. You go to that honey hole expecting to catch. I want to tell you, I can see why Jesus talked to, to Peter in these terms. Because Peter was a fisherman of fish and he understood exactly what Jesus was telling him. He took this and he converted the data in his brain from being a fisherman of fish to being a fisherman of men. And he began to understand something. I'm going to try, sometimes I'm going to preach sermons that I'm going to call my honey hole. I'm going to preach my best sermon. I know that this sermon, if nothing else sticks, I know they won't be able to resist this one baby this one's gonna be good it's gonna shake the foundation of the church bless God and you preach it only to figure out it shook you a lot more than it shook them does that mean you quit no baby you go back one more time. If you want to be you. Listen he told him. He said I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You will start fishing for men. That is why we witness to the same person. Over and over again. That is why our lost loved one. You say pastor I've invited them to the church. They won't come to church. I am telling you today. In light of what I'm reading to you. It is time to throw that net one more time. It is try to try to scoop it up one more time. You got to invite them one more time. Because one of these times. You're going to catch some fish. Mm. God uses ordinary people. He uses persevering people. God uses obedient people. One of the greatest statements. Look at Luke 5, 5 with me again. This is one of the greatest statements in all of the Bible. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have told all night and have taken nothing. This word right here is what grabs me. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Do you see that word, nevertheless? Go, go to verse 6 and 7. Let's go to our next video. I'm, I'm going to show you this again. Look, look at verse 6. When they had done this, after they've launched out into the deep, nevertheless, just because you told me to, they caught a great number of fish. They caught so many fish that their nets are literally breaking. They signal for some boats that are nearby saying, my gosh, it's been a bad night, but we've got so many fish, we don't have enough men on board to pull in this, this, this drop, this, this catch that we've had. And they came over there and helped them lift it up. Listen, we've tried all night. There's times that we do that with soul winning ladies and gentlemen but we have to believe that God has us here for a purpose is it harder to catch fish than it's ever been before yes is it hard to get people to come to church anymore yes 
I can't even hardly get my Christians here, most less sinners. Some of you will catch that by the time you're eating lunch and you'll understand what I'm trying to preach today. It's hard enough getting my own people that claim they love Jesus, the church, most less getting somebody that, that hates God, that doesn't even believe in God, that have never seen any evidence of God. How in the world do you get them in the church? Does that mean we quit doing it? No, sir. One more cast. One more cast. And do you know what God shows the church according to Acts and what He shows us according to this story by Peter is that one more cast could be all it takes to fill up this church. Y'all ain't got me. Uh-uh. You, you ready? Let's go. Let's go a little deeper. If everybody would have the faith to launch out a little deeper and take their net and try one more time, just invite them one more time, reach for that co-worker you've been thinking about telling to come to church, just reach one more time. If we could all have faith and go out into the deep together, and if we could just scoop them up in one service, God could literally pack this church out. If you don't believe it, ask Peter. He's told all night. Somebody that we've been here for years and years. Listen to me. I don't care how long you've tried. I don't care how many years it's been. And you've got nothing to show for your labors. I'm here to tell somebody. Ask Peter. He said, come over here and help. We can't even hold the drought that God has given us. They won't even fit in the net. The net's breaking. They won't even fit in the Building. God help us to quit being so faithless that we can't believe God for a catch. Help us, God, that we would quit thinking of all of our failures and our, our past failures and, and all the times we've tried and it didn't succeed. Help us, God, to get over that and to dig deeper and go deeper and go into a deeper place with God, a deeper relationship with God, and go and try to catch fish for the kingdom of God. My God, that's what we're here for anyhow. So God can use obedient people. That's what he's looking for, somebody that will obey. There's one word that you need to put in your vocabulary. It is the word nevertheless. The word nevertheless means in spite of. In spite of discouragement. In spite of disappointments. In spite of failures of others. In spite of personal setbacks. In spite of personal failures. I will let down the net because I'm obedient because you asked me to. Nevertheless, it's your word. I'm going to let it down because that's what I've been called to do. As I hurry, point number four, God uses humble people. Humility simply means to recognize our need from God. When Peter recognizes that Jesus is in the boat in his power, the first words that he says to him is he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. The humility comes out. A mark of all of God's servants is, is a, a mark of humility. Let me read a few to you. And I won't put the scriptures up. I'll just quote them for you. But all of these are coming from scripture references. Abraham said, I am nothing but dust and ashes. That's right. Father Abraham had many sons. That Father Abraham. Jacob said, I am less than the least 
of all your mercies. Yeah, the Jacob that God changed his name to Israel, God's chosen people. Job, the man that's perfect and upright before God, said, I abhor myself and I repent in ashes. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5, he sees the Lord high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. But Isaiah said, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among the people that are unclean. The Apostle Paul, that's one of the greatest preachers that ever live in all of the Bible. He said, I am the chief of sinners and I am the least among the apostles. John Bradford, the faithful martyr for Christ, said it this way. He used to sign some of his letters with these words. He would write, a most miserable sinner, John Bradford. Humility before God transform us into servants to other people. Not only pastors, but Christians. When we get humble before God, hear me. When humility, listen, pride is all about me. Humility is about you. So, so I can still care for me and care for you at the same time. But humility allows me to make room in my little world, my little bubble for you if you need help, Miss Phyllis. You understand? Brian, I can fit you in this little bubble here. It's not just about me. So, so if you need me to pray with you, if you need me to help you in any way, let, let me get you into my circle. Let me get, see what I'm telling you, humility is the mark of a servant that God can use. We relinquish our desire to rule over others, to control, to dominate people, to intimidate other people, or to exercise our authority. In Mark 9, the disciples got caught up in this quest for power one day and Jesus said these words to him he said if anyone wants to be first then he must be the very last and he must be servant of all so I'm learning an important thing if God is going to use me greatly in his kingdom then I'm going to have to be clothed with humility God can use you that way and I close with this one five God uses visionary people. Visionary means a person that is characterized by crazy, radical ideas, especially impractical ones. A visionary is a person that is characterized by impossible dreams. And I'm a visionary for sure. Because I'm crazy and I got all kinds of dreams and aspirations. And for me, for this church, I can't help it. But Christ gives Peter a vision of what he can be and what he can do for the kingdom of God. He wants Peter to be a visionary. He wants Peter to think crazy for a minute. He wants this, yes, yes, sir, this same guy that just a few days ago was a reed. The same guy that is scared to give his opinion because he's afraid somebody else may say something about him. This guy that's afraid to take the front stand and grab a microphone and say, Hey guys, I'm here. It's good to see everybody today. This guy, Simon, God all of a sudden says, Simon, uh, we're going to change you, buddy. I'm going to give you a vision, not of who you are, not of what you have been, but I am going to give you a vision of what you can be, what you are going to be if you'll just do what I'm preaching to you today. If you can just believe, I'm going to give you a vision. Can you imagine when Simon Peter hears these words from Jesus? He's like a deer in a headlight. What? Me? Yeah. If you can be a visionary... You can't believe the plans I have for you. You can't even begin.
begin to dream it up, Peter. Peter's like, huh? I don't know about this. I don't know about this. All I've ever done is fish. All I've ever done has been on the backside of the of the of the rivers and the lakes and the streams. And I I, I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm not I'm not good with public speaking. I, I don't like being the center of attention. But God says if you can be a visionary and just have a radical thought, I'm gonna change you. There's some of you in here. You may not see yourself doing what God wants you to do, but I'm asking you for a minute just to be a visionary. I'm asking you to think crazy for a minute and say hey that's not who I am right now but if I can just dream big God's going to take me there one of these days I am going to do things for the kingdom I never thought possible and to think of Peter that he was literally the voice of Pentecost isn't that exciting the voice of God at Pentecost is this guy named Peter, because he was a visionary and believed that God could actually do that through him. He said, Jesus looked at him, he said, don't be afraid of your insecurities. Don't be afraid of what you're not capable of doing. He says, don't be afraid, because from now on you will. Did you hear that? You will catch men. Simon Peter would preach on the day of Pentecost, literally thousands of people. 3,000 on one occasion, 5,000 on the next. 8,000 people would come to Jesus Christ because this guy that used to be a reed and driven in the wind became a rock. And he became a visionary. He became humble. All the things I preach to you today that God can use, ordinary and all of the above, he became that person and God used him in a way that he would have never, never dreamed possible. Come on to the piano, Sandra. I'm closing. Vision inspires loyalty. The Bible says that they left everything it doesn't mean they abandoned their families, but they did go on a missionary journey with Jesus Christ. And then they returned home to their families to take care of them. The Bible says they followed Him. The consummate word of discipleship is follow. You can't have one without the other. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to follow Jesus Christ. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and Jesus is over here and you're walking way back here. If you are going to be with Jesus, you've got to be with Jesus. And so that's where it gets challenging at is when you're standing here comfortable. I like my life the way it is. Let's just keep everything the same. And then this man named Jesus comes to you. He says, really? Is that all you think I birthed you for? Is that all you think that you're meant to be? Is that all you think you're meant to do? Launch out into the deep. Oh, God Almighty, I feel what I'm preaching today. Launch out into the deep. Because if you want to be used by me, you're going to have to be willing to do that. Norman Vincent Peel. I'll leave you with this story. told the story of a friend who grew up very poor in the Midwestern city. His father told him that he could only go through lower grades because he would have to come home, you know, back in the day, he had to come home and work to be able to support the family so they could eat. One day he was walking down one of the main business streets of the city where he lived. He passes by a newspaper office and he sees this man that is sitting behind a desk with his coat off, his vest unbuttoned, tie loose, Sleeves rolled up. The young boy was struck immediately as though he was transfixed on this individual. He asked a nearby policeman at a corner, Who is that man? That man, the officer replied, is the editor of the newspaper. 
He's about just one of the most powerful and influential men in this whole area. How did he get that job? Asked the boy. I don't know. He probably just worked for it. The officer replies. Right then the boy envisioned himself in a radical way. A visionary. He envisioned himself as being the editor of that paper right there. The image was formed in his mind. He had no doubt about it at all. That was his future. And he went to work to see it come to pass. At first, the young boy got a job delivering papers. Then he got one of, of the trucks that took papers out. Next, he moved into the advertising department and was selling things and then advanced rather rapidly. He was going somewhere. But this wasn't the normal path that led him to the editorial chair. The day came when the editor's position would finally become open. The publisher called him in and said, Roger, I don't know why I'm going to make you this offer, son. You are the best advertising man that we've ever had here. But I have an overwhelming feeling that you were not intended, oh God Almighty, to just be a salesman. You were intended to be the editor of this paper right here as he throws it on the desk. So today, Roger, I appoint you the editor-in-chief. Woo, glory. Thank you, sir, Roger said. Are you ready? He said, but God gave me this job years ago when I was just a lad. My God. If you can be a visionary and believe it and work hard to achieve it, guess what, honey? The publisher listened in astonishment to Roger's story. He had a dream of what he could be. And that dream eventually came to pass. That day on the shoreline, this man named Peter caught a glimpse of the man that he could be. That he would be in Christ. And it all came to pass. The point of the matter is this. They left everything and followed him. I guess I could ask you today, if we're launching out into the deep, I need to know what kind of follower are you? I, I need to know... How are you following him today? Are you like Caleb in Numbers 14, 24? That the Bible said Caleb has a, a different spirit. A different attitude. It was an attitude to win. Peter at the crucifixion in Luke 22, 44. In a moment of failure. He's a great man. This is before Pentecost. But he made a mistake just like we all do sometimes. And a man that once followed Jesus closely. A man that once went into the deep with Jesus just because he said to. In Luke twenty two fifty four, the King James Version said it this way. But Peter followed afar off. Another version said he followed Jesus at a distance. Not too close, but at a distance. The disciples in John six sixty six, The Bible said that all of his disciples, not the twelve, I'm talking all around. And the other disciples, the Bible said, many of them went back and did not follow the Lord anymore. To which Jesus turns to the twelve and says, will you also go away? To which Peter says, my God, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. We're going to keep following you. Will it be like David? Do you follow him like Psalm 63, 8? Where he said, God, I cling to you. That's what kind of follower I want to be. Wherever Jesus goes, I want to grab Him and I want to go with Him. It may be through deep waters. It may be through uncharted waters. It may be places I've never been before. It may be things I've never done before. 
But if Jesus is going into the deep, then I'm going to go in with Him. Can we all stand today as I close in a word of prayer? My God. Who wants to go deeper with God? Who wants to do greater things with God than you've ever done before? God uses ordinary people. God uses persevering people. God uses obedient people. God uses humble people. And God uses visionary people that can dream it possible. I close with this thought. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible, and I have a lot of them. But it's, it's, it's the story of that guy, Ezekiel. I just, Ezekiel had some of the greatest visions. You, you just think about it. How he turns bones into armies. That's Ezekiel. Ezekiel saw that vision of dry bones. They were dead. But all of a sudden, they become an exceeding mighty army when the winds of God blew. You know the story. But another vision that Ezekiel had was where there's a man with the measuring line in his hand. You remember that story? And he brings him out a hundred thousand cubits, whatever, a thousand cubits, another thousand cubits. He keeps bringing him out. It may have been a hundred. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. But so many cubits showing that each step was a deeper place, a deeper place, a deeper place. And in the vision, the man with the line in his hand, as the Bible says it, pulls it out, so many cubits. And he says, all right, Ezekiel, are you coming? To which Ezekiel says, I, I was in ankle deep water, but I went and it came up to my waist. And, and, and the man drew out some more and said, will you come deeper? And Elijah walked out just a little further. He pulls it out again until it is literally so deep that he ha- he says, I had to start swimming. I couldn't walk anymore. I had to start swimming. Showing us that God is always calling us to a deeper place. But there's so many people that they're not launching out into the deep. That's why they're not effective. They're not launching out into the deep. That's why they're not telling anybody about Jesus. They're not launching out into the deep because nothing good is happening in their life. The things God's planned for them. They're just laying there dormant because they're not in the deep water. So today I challenge you. Launch out into the deep. Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful congregation. I want to thank you for your powerful son, Jesus Christ, that has made a way so that we can walk in victory. I'm asking you today, Father, so many of us, we're not in the deep waters. No. We've been there before. We've done it before. We've had moments in our life when Jesus said, launch out into the deep. Man, we jumped in the boat and we said, God, wherever you lead me, I will follow. There's times that we were discouraged, but we said, nevertheless, at your word, we're going to follow. There was a time that we were in deep waters. But through the years and through the challenges and through a cold, dead, lukewarm, dried up church, we found ourselves falling back into the shallows. I'm asking you today to help us to understand your command for us is fish for men. And if I'm going to catch men, I'm going to have to go in some deep waters. Because at the end of the day, in the condition of this world, there's some people that are in sin. And they're not just playing around and dabbling in the kiddie part of the pool. They are in the deepest of the deep parts in sin and darkness and blackness. So even for that reason, you've called me into the deep to go to where they are. The deepest, darkest center. Those that are losing hope every day. You've called me to reach them. You've called everyone in this congregation to reach them. So I challenge us today. Launch out into the deep in Jesus' name. Amen.
Brian's going to sing.